Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Stefan Satani from a Comedy Advice Podcast, and I am bringing you the treats. It's an awesome episode today because I am going to not talk. I'm just going to eat a jelly donut. Are you guys ready? Just kidding, that's not happening. That I don't know why that stuff is around, but it's not going to be on this podcast. You ain't going to hear none of it here, except for the 10 seconds that I just wasted of your life where you did hear it. So I'm, I'm teaching you that that stuff is out there. And if you want to hear it, that's fine. I'm not going to judge, but that's not what this podcast is going to be. I hope there are no, well, maybe there are podcasts out there. I wonder if that's a new genre, ASMR, where it's just, just people eating. Maybe I should do that for an episode. Maybe I should. I'm converting now. I'm changing my own mind. Should I just have an episode, guys? Email me, a comedy advice podcast at gmail.com. Say, we want you eating a jelly donut. And I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Well, you know who else is awesome is my guest today, Amir K. He is a hilarious comedian, actor. He's a polyglot. He speaks Farsi and Spanish. So he is such a smart gentleman. He's also a podcaster. He has a new podcast, Salty Locks. So guys, I have an amazing conversation with Amir. Very interesting man. And I hope you guys enjoy. I know you will. I don't even hope. I know you will. And if you don't, just repeat me eating the jelly donut. Now I sound like, do I, I I don't eat like a horse. Do I eat like a horse? But guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. If this is your first time, thank you. Welcome. Have a seat. Unless you're already sitting, then stay seated. This is best consumed seated. You shouldn't be standing for this because it's just so interesting and funny. So take a seat. I don't know where you are. If there's no space on the bus, sit in someone's lap. Even better. Thank you so much for joining. Hope you stay along for the ride. And to all you folks that are coming on back, I love you. Yes, I said, maybe I'm the first one that said it. Maybe you haven't said it back, but it's okay. I don't care. I'm just going to tell you, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting me. And if you guys haven't already, please subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, follow me on social at a comedy advice podcast. It makes all the difference. And speaking of making a difference, if you guys want to take it to the next level with me, if you guys are ready for that level of commitment, head on over to Patreon. The link's in the show notes and you can become a patron. That's right. You guys get early access to episodes. They're ad-free so you don't have to hear me talking about Squarespace and Stamps.com. Although, guys, seriously, Stamps.com is awesome. But you don't have to hear it. You don't. You can just hear uh, just pure Stefan audio. That's it. It's not cut with that that unpure ad stuff. It's just pure stuff in audio. So you can go over to Patreon and for as little as $2 a month, you can get access to that content. And then I've got some bonus episodes on there that have not been published here. So you can see that too. Wow. Wow. It's awesome. Owen Wilson definitely recommends. So guys, that's all. You guys are in for a treat. So I'm going to let you to it. Ready? I'm just going to eat my jelly donut over here. Oh. 
Comedy Advice Podcast. An advice podcast for death and, and friends. To make exaggerated statements not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Stefan? Uh, Comedy Advice Podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your host. Joining me today, very special guest. He's an Iranian-American comedian that starred in the cast of Mad TV, appeared on Comedy Central, NBC's Last Comic Standing, True TV's Comedy Knockout, and more. He's also an actor that starred in The Pyramid and won a SAG Award for his role in Argo with Ben Affleck. He's the host of the podcast Salty Locks, and he has a bachelor's degree in history and political science. Everybody, please welcome Amir K. Hey, guys. Hey, what's happening? It is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for for joining me today. Thanks for having me, bud. It's good to be here. First, before we get into the meaty parts, I want to get around into the the appetizer. What what have you been doing in in uh, the pandemic, and how have you been staying sane? Or have you have you just gone insane? Or no? No, I mean I've been kind of reevaluating my life, dude. <laughs> and it gets sad at times, and it gets happy at other times. But yeah, just reevaluate and like kind of reassessing what's going on and you know who I am and you know what I mean how I want to move moving forward you know like what yes. you, you kind of sometimes when like how life was before I don't know if you were the same way I got stuck in a rut of just kind of doing the same routine you know so I use this time because I know it's not going to end anytime soon so you might as well make the best of it so I'm like let me like do some like little self-evaluation little looking inside and seeing if I'm happy, if I'm, you know, doing the right things, if I'm um, on the right track, you know, and like trying to trying to like maybe mend some relationships with my family and stuff that I kind of neglected when I was in the in the routine. That's really smart. And then I also I was listening to your wonderful podcast, Salty Locks, which I think is named after those those luscious salty locks that you have. I think you have the coolest hair of any guest I've ever had on. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I think if it wasn't for the gray, I'd think you were maybe twenty five, a little under twenty five. So yeah, people always think that, but this I keep it keep it honest right here, you know. Just for lot. that. Yeah, you gotta let them know that there might be something wrong. I may be fifty. I may be <laughs> just age ambiguous. I like it, but I love what you said too, where keeping yourself in check and then just trying to. You may have been in a rut before, evaluating yourself. And I know the podcast is something you started in the pandemic. And on the latest episode, which everybody, if you haven't checked it out yet, please check it out. The link's going to be in the show notes. So listen. But on the last episode, you talked a little bit about your family going to have, uh, I think it was dinner or lunch with your brother and, and your dad who's in town too. And talking about the different types of things that you grew up being accustomed to being in competition with your brother and mm. how your dad sometimes is, you want to get to a certain relationship with your dad where you get that silly and a little bit of seriousness where he doesn't, you know, outburst. So yeah, we're trying to, you know, me and my brother were like, yeah, I had this competition that was bullshit that my dad created this weird thing. And so like, I've, I've been over it for years, but I don't know if, you know, I'm just trying to check in with my bro and see where he's at, you know, because we don't have that. Like, I kind of envy people's relationships that are super close with their siblings, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I had that type of uh, relationship too, where I can count on him for thing. you know what I mean? It's just like, he's my older brother and, I, you know. And like we could talk to each other about anything. I wish we could have that without there being any sort of like, um, I don't know, hint, tinge of like resentment or anything behind, you know, the real conversation that's going on. You, you know what I'm saying? 
I know exactly what you're saying. And I feel like, I feel like it hit home for me in a lot of ways. Cause I have two brothers and two sisters. So there was a lot of competition and a lot of things going on when we were growing up. I was the oldest too. So I was like the free babysitter for my parents, but it was, I feel like we're all adults now. So we all ha- are trying to foster refoster relationships. And I lived in New York for a little while. So now I'm back in Phoenix and they're all here. So we haven't seen each other because of the pandemic, but it, it can be very frustrating at sometimes, but also very rewarding when well, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. Were you just in New York and you moved to uh, Arizona because of the pandemic or not? Oh, no, no. I, I moved to be closer to family. Actually, my my wife and I, we were going to uh, we we're thinking about starting a family. So she's from Brazil. I'm from Phoenix. And mm-hmm. we thought well, we want to be close to one or the other. What's going to be easiest for us? And she ultimately, I love Brazil and we got married there. It was, it's an amazing place, but we just didn't feel as secure as we would feel here. And my, my, that's how my wife felt. And I felt, okay, I can agree with that. Cause I, I speak Portuguese and, and everything, but I look very much like a gringo. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a little bit of, um, robbery and oh yeah dude i hear it's uh i mean it's a beautiful country i know that i have never been and i'd always love to visit but i hear yeah the crime it's a little sketchy at you know in some places right yeah and unfortunately it's gotten worse my my mother-in-law she actually got her car stolen while she was in it out right out front from her house at 9 a.m two guys with machine guns were just like ma'am could you please i love how they say please but ma'am could you please get out of the car well yeah at least they have a little bit of respect but it's just like that's when you know people have no other no other option you know there i don't think those people are doing it because you know it's fun right they need they need the money or they need they need it more than the person that has whatever they're whatever they're stealing you know it's like sad it's so sad that's the situation given what's happening with us, dude. I don't know. You know, I think the crime rate's going to shoot through the roof when people start running out of, you know, this government aid and whatnot, you know? So I think we've been in a good position before, like economically, but I think we're going to head into some serious trouble and probably see that shit rise here too. You know, not just, um, you know, like you say in Brazil, so it might not be a safe year, but I think you're good in Arizona. <laughs> but at least you got out of New York, but I'm talking about New York, dude. New York could be a fucking really sketchy. Um, yeah heading into this next couple of years. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. And we we ended up living cuz when we first moved there, we couldn't really afford to live in New York proper. So we mm-hmm. ended up living in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is close to Newark. And uh it's it's I think it's the fourth biggest city. So it's a pretty big city. I'd never heard of it. But then you look at the crime map and it looks like it has chickenpox cuz it's just like murder, 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 stabbing, murder, murder, murder. So well, you're back in AZ. I hear AZ is pretty cool, though, right? Like right now. I mean, I mean, normally AZ is a pretty cool state to be in. I mean, I don't know how how the economy is there and everything like that. Everything's. I don't think it's got a high crime rate, right? Like in Phoenix. Yeah, it it depends on the section, but for the most part, I think Arizona. It's very. I don't want to say crime free, but it's it's pretty safe. And it's pretty clean too, especially certain parts like Scottsdale, Phoenix, North Phoenix. And I mean, one of the things that's pretty interesting to me is just the weather because it doesn't get too cold here. The roads don't expand and then contract. And so the roads are still in great, pristine condition. That's hilarious. When you're bragging about the roads, that's my. 
Like the roads are great, man. The weather, it's 215 degrees at night and you can't really get much sleep. But let me tell you, when you get in your car and you hit those roads, man, it's nothing like it. It's a fucking dream, bro. Just yeah, You could yeah. almost put it on yeah. autopilot and you're just cruising. That's it. We got to have something to hold on to, man. So I got, I got the roads. I don't mean to shit on you for the good roads. But no, no. It's- I have friends that move from New York to Arizona. And I mean, it's just like cost of living's way less. You know, you can get way more bang for your buck. It's not a bad place to be, brother. Yeah. And those fucking roads, man. I'll tell you what. But you know what? You know what's depressing about it is I don't even drive anymore because I, well, before I start complaining, I still have a job. I'm working from home, whatever, but I don't get the taste of the road anymore. So that's unfortunate. But anyway, more about you. I wanted to talk about you because I also, one of the things going back to the podcast and going back to, I wouldn't even call it a rant, but as you were talking about your family, things that were happening, I was just in awe because I thought, Jesus, you are so articulate and I could feel you were expressing a little bit of anger, frustration, sadness at some points, but you were so articulate with it. And I was so impressed to the point where I wanted to ask you, do you feel like being a comedian, which you're, I want to talk about that later, but being a comedian, do you think writing, thinking about things in strange ways, trying to get the humor out of them, do you think it's helped you to just talk? I think that for sure. But dude, I appreciate the compliment. I'm trying to get better about taking compliments, but thank you for <laughs> saying that I'm articulate. But dude, a lot of times I feel like I'm such a dumbass when it comes to um, uh, taking the time to think about something before I talk. You know, mm-hmm. so like, I don't know what that is, but I have this um, thing in my brain. It does take me a while to articulate a point, you know, and I tend to rush into something. Like, I'm trying to do my best to slow down and try to explain everything uh articulately as possible right now because dude normally i just jump in it without really processing and thinking first and i think that also makes me maybe a better stand-up live in the sp- on the spot and you know quick on yeah. s- on stage for example if you're in the room that that helps me there but, but sometimes in conversations i'll jump too quickly to you know answer the question without fully thinking about what i'm going to say so i think it's it's good and bad my, the way my brain works but definitely stand up to answer your question and get back to it. Stand up, yeah, for sure helps you talk in situations uh, in front of people, obviously, and then like in conversation as well, you know? Like I think getting your point across because comedy is about brevity. So like getting your point across in the shortest way possible, I guess, in the most long-winded answer I could have given you. <laughs> no, you, you know what? I thought it was a beautiful answer. I, I'm going to get you more comfortable with compliments because you addressed the compliment at first, then you went about answering and you gave a 3D, like a 360 on the world of comedy mm-hmm. relating to articulateness and the challenges that you have of of being articulate that you're trying to address. And so I thought that was a wonderful answer. If I was going to evaluate it, 10 out of 10. Thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I this also want to ego boost doing the show. <laughs> yeah. I have a segment. It's called the compliment shower. I think it's going on right now, but it's where I just pull the lever, turn the compliment nozzle, and I just start showering my oh, guests yeah. with compliments. Hopefully they're getting a little bit wet, but um... I take my shirt off. <laughs> yeah. While we're at it, though, I was going to say you have one of the best Instagram. I thought you were going to say bodies, dude. <laughs> one of the best, what? I thought you were going to go, you have one of the best bodies I've ever seen. <laughs> Imagine. 
I thought before you were going, I go, could I take my shirt off? You go, dude, by the way, you have the best. <laughs> not not going to lie to that point. You, I think I saw it on, uh, what was it? True TV's knockout where you had to apologize because you got knocked out. And there oh, was yeah. a picture where you looked super ripped. And I was like, God, damn, is it? This fucking guy. He's got great body. Dude, the, the it must have been years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Gray, I'm like, brother, the gray hair comes with a few LBs, you know, not being able to stay in shape as much as you used to be. Oh, man. Well, you know what? You look great. The black is slimming it perfectly. So thank you. Very much. I, I think you're good. But I was going to say that your your Instagram, I think it's so good where it's got this perfect blend of you've got snippets from your podcast, which is I feel like the production value there is amazing where you've got the great you've got the studio set up you've got the video production which is amazing and you've got um, the theme song you've got clips you've got everything and I wanted to ask because I know this was birthed from the pandemic but right. where do you see the podcast going once things get back to normal if they oh god if they ever do uh well the podcast like like you know as you know was just for me to rant and talk about stuff in in lieu of getting on stage every night you know so it still didn't make up for it but i i also just wanted to start the podcast for the longest time and the pandemic just gave me the biggest like you know reason to not make excuses and just start it because i have you know in the very beginning it was hard to get used to having nothing to do so i just created that and then there's a lot of work you know editing it and my buddy jr comes over and helps me shoot it so he has th those really nice cameras that you see that we shoot it on i think there are some type of canons um mm -hmm. but so that's cool but then yeah it does give me a lot of work to do and definitely i will continue doing the podcast as it um as you know we get back to normal life but i think that yeah i just think that it's just another way to get you know, anything I want to talk about, also work on material, you know, like a lot of times I work on stage, like I write on stage. So I'll go up with a, with a, just a, like a seed of an idea on stage and I'll start talking it out and then I'll find little punchlines here and there. And then I start, you know, uh, crafting a bit out of that, you know? So the podcast is just another, uh, I guess, vessel to do that a little bit more, um, you know, efficiently. I guess. Mm -hmm. So I get mm -hmm. that and I go, Oh, I really like talking about this. So then I can, and you know, my podcast is by myself. I have JR behind the camera and he, he has a microphone so you can hear him, but I just like it, uh, for me just to be spitballing and talking and hopefully it's exciting and interesting, not exciting, but you know, it's funny in some points or, um, it's interesting for people to hear my thought process. That's awesome. You know? And do, do you, it seems like it's this way, but do you tend to lean towards, I know there's a blend of writing and then speaking, uh, and you were talking about on open mics and things like that, or shows you would kind of test things out. Do you lean more towards the audio and speaking visual or medium, or are you both half and half or what way do you lean? I, I think my favorite sets, uh, if you're talking about my stand-up sets are when I'm just in the moment and I'm riffing and, you know, it's, it kind of feels like a stream of consciousness type, type of set. Those are my favorite, you know, when it's just so live and you're present and you're in the room and everything's just firing, you know, your, your brain's working on all cylinders. You're just, and everybody's in on it. And then when you're in the room, it's electric because like, you know, I always say stand-up is like a, every time you go into the room, it's like a group of your friends. I mean, it's a group of new friends. Right. And yeah. so my thing is I always like go in there. I'm, these people are my friends and you know, I, my favorite thing to do with my friends is like have inside jokes. Right. So by that hour, by the end of the hour, we have a series of inside jokes that we do. I can call back. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
now we've created this rapport in, in relationship with the audience that is like, I liken it to like when I was younger and I'd go to a party, you know, and I'd, I'd do a joke, you know, I'd get a, a circle of friends and hold court and do that. And these people know me, so I'm doing my riffs. And so that, that those are my favorite sets when I feel like I'm at a party with my friends. So that's, that's, that's where I like to live, dude, in the moment and just doing this stuff as it comes to me with obviously in my back pocket, you know, a few hours of material that I've honed over the years. So in case I get stuck or if something comes up or somebody mentions something and I have a bit for it, then I could just kind of, you know, um, seamlessly go into it. So it seems like, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, when you really good comedians, you're like, holy shit, this guy is so fast. But the truth is, you know, I hate to debunk comedy for anybody or <laughs> uh, ruin the mystery or the magic of it. But like, you know, we have over the years, you've done so many hours of stage time so you've had situations come up so you can address a situation that happens in in, in a particular audience or room um you know you have the tools to handle that fairly quickly once you've been doing it for you know 10 years or five 10 years whatever it is you know you just mm -hmm. you do it really quick so that's what makes i think good comedians great is their ability to just pull from what they already know or what they've already uh been experienced to and just jump into a real quick and get into that whether it's dealing with a heckler or, um, you know, uh, segueing into or audibling. I would call that an audible, like if something's not hitting and then you just, you know, jump into something else, but doing it in a way that they have no idea that you just did that. You know, it sounds like you're talking just like we're talking right now. Just, Oh, this guy just made all this stuff up. Yeah. Where yeah. you can never tell what it is. So if, to get back to your question, I like to do probably, I'd say, maybe like 30 to 40% is just kind of riffing in, in a normal hour. And then the rest would be written material. But when you watch it, you would think it's 80%, 90% riffing. I'd hate for people to see that you're in a bit. You know what I'm saying? Once you go, Hey man, you've been in the grunt and you're like, Oh fuck, this guy's saying a bit. He's getting into a bit. And it's like, you learn that at the comedy store doing the open mic there. The open mic there goes from like six, 6 PM to like, two in the morning, right? So then there's some people in the audience that have been there for eight hours, six hours. So by, when you get up there and you're only doing three minutes, this was like back in the day when I was first starting, mm -hmm. I would notice who got the best response. And it was the people that would just seem like they were in the moment and they were just doing, being there. And they're just funny people, but they're being, and they're not just like, all right, so, and then you're getting into a joke. Cause after the sixth hour of an audience, when they smell an inkling of a joke, they kind of turn off. Do you know what I mean? They go, oh, here he goes. Here he goes. It's just like they're not even into it. So I, I, I found that that, and I think it's even accelerated with the hour set, like even better, you know, if, if they're like, wow, this guy's like really, you know, he's quick and he's seamlessly going into stuff. If I do a little crowd work and this guy mentions whatever, he's a mechanic. And then all of a sudden I go into a mechanic bit. It's like, what? How did you just think of that? But that's just years and years of working on your shit. That's awesome, man. <laughs> we got, we deviated a, a bunch, but. No, that's super, that's super interesting. And, and I'm glad that you did demystify that for everybody that was wondering. It was almost like, I don't know if you ever saw that guy that would reveal all the magician the tricks with the black. Yeah, dude, or the black, the mask. I was just talking to my buddy about that. It's like, if people knew, because I think the, the magic of comedy is watching it the first time seeing a comedian. Once you see a comedian, this is another thing that I don't like to do is to do the same exact hour that word for word every time. Cause I like when someone comes to see me, like they can come 10 times. Like when I do my local shows in LA, like 
it's it's a lot of the same people coming back to see the show when I'm in LA uh, performing. So I just like to have them see a different show every single time. You know, not that all the material has to be different or whatever, but just like being so loose that uh, I open it up to having a unique show every time. So whatever that was that night is that is it is what it was. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? That makes total uh, sense. It is as because uh, I think like to get back to this thing is the magic of comedy. It's it's once you know it's like when someone does a magic trick and then you realize oh you learned how it works you know you're like ah it's not that cool anymore so like once you've heard the joke then you hear it again you know that that second time around you're like oh okay I knew how he he got there and then once you start watching the comics work you're like oh shit that kind of takes the magic of it all away the really good ones are able to continue to do that night after night after night. Like Bill Burr is a great example, dude. I could watch him and I know a lot of the bits. I could watch him night after night and it's like, holy shit. It's almost like you didn't know, you know, you're watching him for the first time every time. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I know you're right. And a less, a less, a more unsavory example is like, I remember in my human sexuality class 10 years ago in college where they were saying, pornography porn has a half-life where if you see it once it's great and then you see it a second time and the same exact thing and you're like "Mm, not so magical for me so i feel like jokes have that same sort of give you that titillating experience and to your point on the riffing versus the formulated or rehearsed jokes i think that for me personally as an audience member when mm-hmm. i see someone's riffing or i have the feeling that they're riffing i'm on the edge of my seat because i'm thinking where is this going to go and there's a little bit of a risk that i feel or the audience feels where it's like he could fall flat or it mm-hmm. could go in a direction that nobody knows where it's going to go so that element of surprise is just amplified where i think not not to rag on on rehearsed jokes or anything because i think that those are great too in their own form but to Mm -hmm. what you said if you're a comic that's performing multiple nights and you have fans that want to keep seeing you but then they're like oh i'm tired because he says the same jokes and i've heard them all before the riffing is an excellent tool to be able to keep them coming back time after time so i think that's just I I admire that. I think it takes balls. It takes experience, like you said, because there's an art to riffing. I don't think it's just like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. There's there's also, like you said, you can have some sort of canned response or from experience, you kind of know different responses will lead you in different areas. Right. And it's also like, like you were saying that riffing and once you get known like that like you know the audience like for example in la knows that i'm just gonna fucking start riffing about whatever and like you i don't know if you you mentioned it but like i say if you work without a net a lot of times because it is a skill that you learn and you have to work on to riff i feel like because some guys are just really good at it and some guys just don't do it i don't know if it's because they're not good at it but they're maybe scared of it or they they would rather like you said not to be um have anything against written material like written material is great and i see a lot of new york guys are super well written um and that's that's another way of approaching the art form but to be loose and free and do anything in the moment takes time and it takes um a bit of honing itself you know so you can be comfortable just to say whatever comes on your mind at that moment and know hey i'm working without a net and i'm going to stay on the rope if that makes any sense to you yeah, it does. I, it's like one of the up here and then fuck, it's going to be funny. Like something out of this will be funny. It's it, very, very true. And it's one of the 
I was I interviewed Adam Ray a while ago. Hilarious comedian and a good riffer as well. Yeah, Adam's great riffer, dude. And I did. I watched video after video of his uh, at the Laugh Factory and other places, and I could see patterns of what he did. And I'm like, oh, there, there is a bit of an art to this. There's experience and all of that. And it's, it's not denigrating the value of what he brings to the table. It's just, oh, okay, I can kind of understand the formulas and the different patterns that he's implementing in this crowd work, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But fuck out, Ray, of- not- fuck out of Ray. <laughs> no, I said I watch a lot of stand up, which, you know, uh, being in a comedy club or being a comedian, you sit there and you watch a lot of stand up. So you do start to recognize the tricks and that that you, I like to try to stay away from. But you, you catch yourself. You do them every now and then, you know, like a trick that, you know, is going to get the room back or get a laugh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That's kind of like a hacky whatever. You, you don't want to be that guy. You know, you don't want to just like I, I, I hate catching myself going, why the fuck did I say that? And it happens, you know, you, you know, somebody will get up to go to the bathroom and you go taking a shit because, you know, it's going to get a good laugh. <laughs> it gets dumb, but you're like stuck. I, I fell for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, what's happening. And it's just like, you. and then you if you watch a lot of comedy, oh, that's just a road trick, you know, some. And so that um, I think for me is like, yeah, I, I would like to stay away from things like that. But uh, if what? that's what you're talking about, like the little tricks and whatever things that. One of my favorite things that I saw you do for a riff was I, I think it was the improv where the lighting made some guy look like he was in a coffin and you, you were like, I got to take a picture of this. And then you went on for oh, two yeah. or three minutes about death and then about a guy explaining to his son why his, his mom is dead to him. And so it, it was just Those so are the moments, dude. That's what I live for in stand up, man. Those moments right there. And that, dude, I have so many tape. I'm going to start releasing. Like, I was too precious with my material for fucking way too long um, because I was like, oh, I want to put it on a special. I want people to see it, you know, in a polished form. Dude, and I have just so much shit like that, like those sets where I'm just, dude, going off. And I'll never do it again. Like, that moment will never happen again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With the one that you're that you're referring to. It's like, and it was just such a beautiful and, like, pure moment of, like, oh, that's what it is. And then I can, like, like you know, maybe a year in comedy, I wouldn't be able to let myself go and just start riffing off of that, you know, talk and then get to that death of his mom. And, you know, the grandpa explaining to the, you know what I'm saying? Like you saw what happened there. So those are the moments I freaking live for, dude. And that's what makes me still thrilled to go up every single night on stage when, you know, before the pandemic was was, hit us. Right. That, that was the moment. That's the drug I was chasing is those moments, you know? I've been doing comedy for a little bit and I am not near the point of being comfortable with riffing. And so my stuff sounds very rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to get to the point where I'm, I'm feeling more comfortable being able to play a little bit with the crowd riff a little bit. And then the dream is to be like you, man. And just, Oh, come on, man. Have- <laughs> Dude, you just got to keep doing it. I tell everybody, cause I get, you know, periodic periodically I'll get, uh, you know, DMs about, you know, how do you have any advice? And you know what I mean? From, from aspiring comedians. Yeah. And it's always the same advice. And it's the advice I got from the best comics. And it was just get up on stage. Cause there's no substitute for the experience. It's like, dude, it's, there's nothing that will sub. You can read a billion books, but until your fucking sneakers have hit that stage and you're in the moment on that stage, you're not going to know what any of the shit means or, you know, is, is like, so it's all just stage time, stage time, stage time, stage time, stage time. And it's like, it seems like a little easy because there is no guidebook to this shit. 
You know that when you start comedy, I want to be a comedian. They don't give you a book and say, hey, dude, do chapters one through five and you'll be good. It's like, dude, go. So now what? And now what is stage time, stage time, stage time, stage time, stage time, stage time. No shortcuts. Yeah. There's no you know what's funny too is the way that you were taught going back to your how articulate you are as you were talking about how east coast comics they're a little they're very good on the written but the riffing no and then diving into the riffing. well no some of them are good on riffing i don't want to say that because i hate like i don't no, like no, fuck this. them no, no no they're all no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah, no, i don't like the beef like shit but it's like that's what and i've 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 noticed that it's because i would think that the stages are smaller there so they you know they don't have moved to like move around and be more theatrical in la it's a bunch of actors you know, that made me do stand up as well. And I don't know, there's, I have my theory on it, but I don't want to shit on New York comics. I think New York comics are, are, are fucking great. While we're backtracking, I also want to apologize to Adam Ray. I love you very much. He's one of my oh, favorite comedians. Okay. I was just saying, fuck Adam Ray is in let's talk about Amir K right now. Cause this is his episode. Oh no, dude. I'm going to tell him you said, fuck him. So <laughs> oh, no, please. Sorry, pal. No. He, no, no. I love that. He was so nice to me. Oh God. Well, that's ruined. So whatever it's done. Um, Anyway, I also wanted to talk about, so I know that we talked about the riffing and then in your comedy, you also are just amazing at doing characters as well. And I think that is portrayed as why you've been and gotten some great acting gigs, why Ben Affleck loved you when you auditioned for Argo. I, I wanted to ask a little bit about that because the you're also a polyglot. You speak Farsi and Spanish. Did I was going to have to get a dictionary. I was going to have to get a dictionary for that word. I don't know. What's a polyglot? Oh, oh. So a po- I only know this word because people have called me a polyglot. And I was like, that sounds like this expired Play-Doh. But it's, it's when you speak more than two languages, I think. When you speak multiple languages. It was me just trying to impress you. I'm so sorry. Oh, dude, I, you uh, impressed the shit out of me. I was like, I was like, polyglot. <laughs> <laughs> I had to figure it out. Like, I didn't, didn't know. And I wasn't going to pretend. I'm over that part of my life. I used to pretend all the time that I knew what people were talking about. I'd be like, dude, this movie. And I hadn't seen the movie, but I'd go, yeah. And I just, now I can't. I just got to say like, hey, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, see, I'm so glad you did because we made a funny bit about it. And I... I, I'm trying to do the same thing in my life where I used to be the same exact way. I'm getting better. I'm still not perfect, but I will stop and, and be like, I don't know that word or I don't know what that means. Yeah. So. I think it just comes with getting older. You realize like it doesn't fucking matter if you don't know something, it's fine. You know, it's like, we think yeah. it's so like, Oh my God, they're going to think I'm dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. But, but exactly. anyway, I wanted exactly what is this exactly is the word. Wait, wait, what? What does that mean exactly means? Exactly, like precisely? Oh, okay, got it. Oh, I'm sorry. This is my my dumbass accent where I can't even say exactly. So I say it more like exactly. People oh, bro, have made fun I was of- fucking, I was, um, <laughs> this should be on the cut of when bits go bad. I was just pretending I didn't know what the word exactly meant. <laughs> <laughs> and then you took it into another thing, which it just was, yeah, it all didn't work. I thought it was great. <laughs> it, it was amazing. Yeah. It was great. But <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> that was a live bomb. I actually got hot as I was doing it. Like, that's when you know you're really bombing is when you get hot inside. Uh, you're like, oh, he's not getting it. Oh, I, 
I started to feel a little bit of pressure because I thought you were like, well, what does exactly mean in the sense of what are you saying? And I was oh, like, that's well, a bad word. I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this, the reason that bit did not work is because exact everybody knows exactly. I should have picked another word that was not as used as frequently as exactly. Oh man. Polyglot. Let's go back to that. Tip, tips from the pros right here, ladies and gentlemen, right Dude, here. Sometimes you're like, fuck. Those are the ones when you're like, ah, I should have said this. You know, oh, you'll man. leave the stage and go, ah, this would have been perfect. When you That's... think of the best comeback, like when you're walking away from the, you know, the playground or whatever. Oh, my God. I should have said this. God, I have one of those reeling in the back of my mind, but I'm not going to bore you with it. But I wanted to ask you about the being a polyglot. And speaking, Farsi was your first language, and yeah. you moved here. And um, I don't know how you learned Spanish. How did you learn Spanish? Well, I learned Spanish in school. Um, you know, I took oh. it actually in school. and But I learned it also, like, amongst friends. Like, the slang I learned in restaurants and with friends, you know. But, like, the, the grammatical stuff and the technical stuff I learned in school. I okay. took it for five years or something like that, but it was easier. Like when you, you know, work with, uh, you know, I work with a lot of Latinos, Mexican right. uh, friends. I had a ton of Mexican friends, so it was easier that way. Just like, you know, speaking with them after right. I learned something, or if nice. you want to have somebody not understand us, we can speak in Spanish. <laughs> I, I, the reason about uh, I was going to ask is because I lived in Italy and I was learning Italian. And I remember, I think I heard you on a podcast or an interview somewhere talking about how you would imitate kids when you went to school and you didn't understand what anyone was saying. So then you would try and imitate them. And I feel like, I feel like from an outside perspective, that's helped you a lot with getting good at accents. I know that you also do a really good Iranian accent. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So exactly what you said, I've actually found, um, kind of actually doing comedy. I'm like, oh my God, this is why I'm good at this is because I learned English by mimicking the kids in my neighborhood. So now I can do all these characters because those characters you hear now and all the nuances and subtleties of what I'm saying or how, you know, way the way they would say a word or not finish a word or whatever, that comes from just mimicking and hearing that and just lock, locking that in, you know? So I have all this like deep pool of that shit to pull from because in my I had such a diverse like upbringing you know different cultures different ethnicities around me all the time that I could pull from these different you know races and ethnicities and just be like oh okay this is what this sounds like you know mm -hmm. this is a guy that just moved here this is a guy that's been here for six years this is a guy that's been here for 10 years you know what I mean it's like just the different little nuances and what that accent would sound like that's really but cool it helped me speak English it helped me learn English so yeah. now that we use that to, you know, do other accents or whatever. That's super cool. And I feel like your voice just normally is a, an accent. It's a very neutral accent and an accent that I feel like would be textbook. This is how an English man sounds. So yeah, it's <laughs> mellifluous. It's got a dude in school. Like they would be like, what is your real voice? Cause I would talk such different ways all the time, you know, and this voice, I almost hate my own voice. Like the way that it is right now. Like I, the, my, my ex-girlfriend just called me who I just didn't answer the call. And we have yeah. a voice that we do because I, I can't stand, like, it's like a little kid voice or something that we do together. <laughs> that is, I don't know why, but I just enjoy doing that more than 
talking like this. You know, even when I'm on stage, I do a different version of how I'm talking to you right now. Mm. You know, which is weird to me, but it's like I enjoy doing it. Like I'll switch up words and stuff. No, I I get it. I get it because I I have been doing the same thing a little bit with mine. I think I get a little too radio-y here. My normal well, voice is like yeah, 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 exactly. I could tell like when you're when you're doing. I don't know how your normal voice is because you don't talk that often or ever. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but um, I could tell. But you're getting into the show, which is like that's that. There's a reason that radio voice works because it's 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 intriguing or what what is the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it, captivating, captivating, amazing. amazing, captivating, all those words. But it gets you like excited about what what's being covered, what's being talked about. I guess, right? Yeah. Is there yeah. That, hey guys, we're back, and here we are. Like you know, that fucking that makes you be like, oh shit, I gotta listen, you know. And I think that makes people interesting, and I think that makes when they have a different inflection or something than you're used to. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I I feel like. I don't know about my English voice. I'm very proud of my Italian voice. I, I, since I lived over there, I have relatives that are from the north. So I would watch movies and I would just practice imitating the accents from people that I admired. So yeah. then I ended up getting a southern accent from Italy. And then my northern cousins would get pissed and be like, no. And then they'd try and retrain me in the north. So then I can do, I can do a, quite a few different accents throughout Italy. Uh, cool. which is very useless when I'm speaking English most of the time, but <laughs> it, it reminded me of you because being able to do that, I feel like is a real nice gift uh, that, that, I mean, it's just like a New Yorker or, or somebody from Texas or like, you know, I'd imagine in Italy, I've been to Italy and like, they speak totally different than the, in Sicily than they do, you know, up North in whatever Florence or something. It's because you've got an excellent ear. That's, uh, that's why <laughs> you, but you're it's right. Been, you're absolutely it's... right. Like in New Jersey, and I lived there in the East Coast, you would hear stuff like, oh, yeah, you want some mozzarella, some uh, gabagool. Like, yeah. We don't in the north of Italy, we do not say that stuff. Even in the south, they, they do have that accent where it's like, it's kind of lazy ish where yeah. north of Italy, it's less poetic, less droopy, more like, ciao, andiamo a questa cosa, facciamo adesso. And, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't talk about yeah. <laughs> it what it is but it's that yeah and then they're way looser in the south yeah kind of flowy eh? yeah 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 and and it's it's that kind of cool where you were talking about intonations the intonation's different the focus on the consonants is different so it's kind of cool to speak with somebody else that understands that and i feel like you have a really good grasp on it you're you're way better than i am at accents and and different things like that so props well thanks man <laughs> props yeah hello you gorgeous goobers stefan here wanted to take a break to talk to you a little bit about the expanse real estate team here in phoenix arizona guys if you're looking to buy a house in phoenix or the surrounding areas there is no better team not even the Avengers. Iron Man and Captain America could not do you as good as the Expanse real estate team in Phoenix, Arizona. Guys, they will provide you a free initial consultation to set your expectations and inform you exactly what to expect when purchasing a home in Phoenix. Now, they don't limit the amount of homes that they show you like other brokerages. They are there to get you a home. 
They're making sure that your domicile is their top priority and they will find you something for the best price. So guys, head on over to expanserealestate.com or call 480-400-1745. And you know what? It also works if you're trying to sell. Are you in Phoenix and trying to sell your home? Give them a call, 480-400-1745 or expanserealestate.com and they will help you out. We're going to get into the self-help portion of the podcast, but before we do, is there anything else that you wanted to say? I mean, we can... Not really, man. You know, um, not really, no. No, you're good? Well, let me just pause and reflect and say this has been awesome so far. Cool, I feel like we're we're pals, you and me. We're just... Stepping your butt. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Amir. Thank you. All right, we're going to get into the self-help portion of the podcast and answer some questions. Before we do, I like to read a motivational quote to give us some inspiration to be able to answer these questions to our fullest ability. But before I give the inspirational quote that I found, I like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes that get them through their days or motivate them when they're down. I don't. <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I was going to make one up, and I'm like, why, why, lie, why lie to my good pal? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I, you know what? I don't bring quotes to the table, but I thought of one that my cousin told me a while ago from, from Italy. He said, this is a quote from Homer, and it says, when you learn another language, you gain another soul. Wow. And not Homer the Simpson, the the yeah. Greek. Oh, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. He was more like no, but prolific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that's cool. So you have like three souls, man. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a good one. I've heard like good ones. My memory is just the worst. It could be, and I've heard ones that I'm like, oh, I got to remember that. Um, you know, and I just, I just can't, I can't retain very well. Like if you gave me ten minutes, bro, I'll come back with a fire one. And I'll be like, hey, dude, this is a good one. Check this out. But off the top of my head, there isn't like one that I, I'm like in a tough situation. And I go, oh, remember. <laughs> you know what? Well, throughout the rest of the podcast, if you think of one, spit it out. But now I'm just going to be thinking about that the whole time. I'm not going to be actively listening to you whatsoever. Fair enough. I shouldn't have said that. Forget about it. We're done. You right. failed. I got, no, you- I got a good one that I heard that I liked that was very recent. And it was like, it was a roomie who's like an old poet, uh, you know, theologist, I guess, philosophical dude. Uh, you know, Rumi? You've heard of I'm, going, I'm going to act on what I said and say no. I, I, I haven't heard of him before, and I'm sorry. Oh, cool. He's very, like, just a dope, and he's a Middle Eastern, like, Iranian or Afghan. I'm not positive, but we claim him. Iranians nice. will claim him. So Rumi said, um, it's like when you're just stressed out about anything or thinking too much about stuff. And, and I'm going to fuck the quote up again, but it's something like um, this world is a dream. Only a sleeper thinks it's real. Then death comes like dawn and you wake up laughing at what you thought was your grief. Did I say that right? Does that make sense? But it's just so deep. It's like, dude, this is all bullshit. It's all it's all a dream. You know, so only like a sleeper will think that this is real. I got goosebumps, man. That's that a dope quote, dude. It's such a dope quote. I read that on, on a friend of mine's like story, you know, like, and it was, you know, most of the time you're like, oh, this is a cheesy quote. But that one was like, damn, like, what are we, what am I worrying about? What am I stressing about? Like, it's all bullshit. You're going to just end up laughing at what you thought was your grief here. It's like, dude, it's all temporary. <laughs> 
You that, know, so that's one that I'll think about from time to time to get back. That slaps, man. That really slaps. Tattoos coming, dude. Tattoos coming. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel a little ashamed now to bring my quote to the table, but it's not by a person at all. It's actually by a robot and it's called Inspirobot. And what it does is it uses AI to generate some of the, the most inspirational quotes using the wisest words known to man. Mm-hmm. Wait, was this the one that it's like they're all fake things, but they sound really prolific and dope? They try to, yes. Okay, okay. Yes. So we're going to try and decipher this one. This one, this week, Inspirebot says, much treasured is a husband who respects his cheese. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Much treasured is a husband who respects his cheese. So I feel like like maybe what Inspirebot was trying to get at was... Money, money over bitches. Right, right. He couldn't say that in those words, but he was like, I'm going to be eloquent about it. Yeah. Money yeah, over yeah. bitches. Money over bitches. That's what he was trying to say. I really like the cheese, you know? <laughs> I, I like know. that. I was thinking of it as like a flatulence thing. Like the guy, a, a husband, he respect. if he's like, man, I think I may have had too much cheese. I'm, I or just the right amount. I'm not going to get gassy tonight. So then the I'm whole family know. doesn't have to worry about it. So he's he's up. Op, he has optimal bowel health and right. colon health, and he's not he's not flatulating. Very but, nice. I'm going to go with money over bitches, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I know. I went for a hack fart joke. See, this is mistake number one. This is why it doesn't work. Yeah. I don't know, man. How are you going to know unless you try it? Gotta try. It. Another good quote. Is that an Amir quote? I you know. Let's try. Yeah, I guess so. Dude, the roomy one. It's so funny. I butchered it so bad. Uh, I heard it and then I tried to do it on stage that night and I fucked it up so bad. I'm actually going to put something out. I'm going to put a little like little raw special from some show in um, Calgary and that's in there. So that's why I was just looking at that thing. That's why I had it. In oh, there. nice. Nice. Well, good. On the, so you'll see it on there and then you can be like, dude, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna heart that shit. Yes, that's but awesome. But I picture it as I'm saying it on stage. But we get there. We'll get there. Nice. All right. Well, I feel like we nailed the quote. We're full of inspiration, so we're gonna get to the questions. This one is from Reddit. It's from our fan Bianca. Thank you, Bianca. It says my girlfriend's birthday is one week away, and I really want to paint something for her since I am currently struggling with money. Only thing is, I've never painted before. Is there a good step by step I can follow to paint something? sincerely stroke of bad luck wow yikes Uh, very um yeah that's admirable that you want to do that um i think the easiest way with no money and nothing to do i think it's self-portrait in your own blood just prick your you know index finger (laughs) that's so much blood your best way your best way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got no money you got no, you got no lessons you don't know what you're doing just do it like that break your finger and do a little self-portrait blood and is nature's pain yeah blood is nature's pain that's another good quote that you should get tattooed on your left leg good um, <laughs> blood is the cheapest um art supply i think that's the way to go do it in blood it's a little crazy then i mean your boyfriend um would uh be scared to leave you that's another thing that's true. It's a big power move. It, like yeah. if, if you ever leave me, this will be your blood in a new painting. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. And go, I bled for you. And you got to look at him. I bled for you. <laughs> <laughs> I bled for you. 
blood for you. Yeah, you can never lose. Once you have that upper hand, dude, if you fucking painted in blood, dude, you're good to go. God, that's true. I feel like blood is the best. I mean, there are other bodily excretions that I think we could go with, but I feel like blood is the most sanitary, most powerful, most potent. And who doesn't love a good red? I feel like... Yeah, good, nice, deep red, like a blood red. Like a blood red. Yeah, that nice maroon. I feel like it's it's popping, so it's in, it's in vogue. Good. That's it. Right. I think we, I think we nailed that one, huh? That one was nailed really quickly. Good job on that one. Okay, now we've got our next and last question. This is from Reddit, found by our fan Joe. Thank you, Joe. Advice on outfitting my bathroom for someone for the day before their colonoscopy. So far, I have created a table on the bathtub where I can put things to do while on the john. This is for my aunt, so I have a facial setup, a manicure setup, and some books. Any other ideas? Sincerely, bottom feeder. Oof. God, have you ever prepared anyone for a colonoscopy? I feel like this is a little know. weird. Yeah, it's a little out of my scope of expertise, but I will tell you this. I don't know what happens to you after... Um, is, do you like shit a lot after a colonoscopy? Is that what's, what's being, I, I don't know. I think what happens, and this is from what I saw on that Adam Sandler movie, uncut gems was Mm -hmm. you just probe inside, they look around and if they don't find anything, they pull the probe out and you're done. You can walk right and you're fine. So, yeah. So what is this whole situation of setting up the bathroom so intricately for this thing? I don't so, yeah, know. The, the question confuses the shit out of me, but no pun intended. <laughs> but especially for your aunt, right? Maybe if it was for your significant other, you could do a nice thing for them, help relax them. I mean, it helps the colonoscopy go smoother. But I think for an aunt, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know my aunts on that level. Yeah, I don't. I this is very very strange to me. So, yeah, I guess I don't have any advice here. I mean, I will tell you that I do have a bidet. That's the closest I've gotten to a colonoscopy. Kind of oh. Just shoot water in your ass. And thumbs up, thumbs down? Thumbs up, 100%. Uh, yeah. any, any Iranian will tell you that. You know, we're big time um, uh, hygiene there. Yeah, yeah. Living in Italy, I got the bidet treatment. Oh, dude, the oh. bidet. I mean, the Europe's got it figured out for sure. They know what's up. I don't know why I didn't carry over here. I, I really don't understand that. You know, dry ass toilet paper. You just can't do that. Yeah, it's like close to being animals over here. I mean, toilet (laughs) paper and Jesus. But no, I I think going back to it, the advice that we can give is don't do any of this. I know you're a thoughtful person, but you're going too far. Please, for the love of God, use use this for yourself. Um, It seems weird. It would be weird if you brought it up to your aunt. Like, hey, I set it all up for you. What? That's why that's why when you go to Hallmark and you ask for a card that says good luck with your colonoscopy, they don't have one because that's an occasion that should not be talked about. Very nice. Very so, nice, Stefan. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Is that how you laugh? Do you just say very nice? Very nice. Very nice. Well, I just wanted to let you know that that was a great answer. Oh, I was, I was stuck. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I feel like we've given the answer, so I feel like we can get out of there and reach the end. Trying to reach for a colonoscopy joke here, but this is the end. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I wanted to give a huge thank you to Amir. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, buddy. Uh, I'll see you in Arizona next weekend. 
Bro, I, I am pumped. And speaking of Arizona w- this weekend, what have you got going on? Where can people follow you? What have you got to plug? Uh, well, I'm at the House of Comedy, which is uh, probably my favorite club in Arizona. And that's, uh, yeah, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy in North Phoenix. Uh, what is it, High Street? I don't know what the... Yes, exact- High Street. Very good. Yeah, and um, yeah, I love that place, and I'm just so excited to get back. It's going to be my first shows in five months or whatever it's been, so I'm just juiced to get back on stage, man, so it's going to be a, a, some hel- a hell of a good time. I know that, because I'm just going to be going off. And Is that uh, your first time on stage since... Mm-hmm. The Rona, no Zoom shows, no nothing, dude. I just kept it clean and kosher, bro. And I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to go and get loose. So these shows are going to be good. And I'm gonna tape them, and uh, I think it'd be a thing to see live for sure. So that's it. This weekend coming up, uh, I don't know the exact day. I think it's the 27th through the 30th, actually, August 27th through the 30th. That's right. That's right. And we'll have a link right there in the show notes, guys. So you don't have to be like, oh, Google House of Comedy. No. It's right there. You just buy the fucking tickets. Just do it. What are you? Uh, so I'm sorry. I'm getting frustrated. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. But Amir, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>